and welcome to Impact the Borough, the podcast from the Greensboro Chamber of Commerce. I'm Brent Christensen, President and CEO of the Chamber. Each week, we'll check in with our partners to share inspiring stories and important information from across the borough, highlighting what we're doing to start and grow businesses, create quality jobs, and develop our workforce. This podcast is brought to you by TrueLiant Federal Credit Union a modern, mission-driven financial institution focused on the needs of its members, the businesses it serves, and our community. With five locations in Guilford County, including a dedicated commercial lending office at Friendly Center and a highly rated mobile banking app, TrueLiant makes it their business to help you grow yours. Visit TrueLiant.org for more information. Hi, everyone. I'm Kelly Frazier the board president of Launch Greensboro. And for those of you that don't know, Launch Greensboro is the entrepreneurship initiative of the Greensboro Chamber of Commerce. We accelerate growth for entrepreneurs starting and growing businesses in the Greensboro triad area by providing education, mentoring, and access to capital. And we do this through a variety of programs, including Launch Camp, Launch Lab 101, and Growth, our sustained cohort support, which is essentially our alumni, Capital Connects, which is our version of our Super Bowl, our big pitch competition each year, and our first launch capital fund, Pre-Seed Stage Fund. So I'm really excited about this episode because we are going to be discussing business pivots, which to me has been in my life one of like a key survival point is, is to be able to pivot both in business and in real life, but specifically in business and whether that comes to a shift in strategy or changing core products or services or changing focus to something completely new and different. Um, These are the kinds of things that I think are so interesting to talk about with entrepreneurs. So we have today three entrepreneurs who are going to share their own experiences with us about their business pivots, along with some really helpful advice. So let's meet these fabulous people. Um, I would like to introduce you to Seandris Jackson, Melissa Wallace, and Alicia Wolfert. And I'm going to have each of you introduce yourself and just give us a brief overview of the work that you're currently doing, and then we will dive into business pivots. So Seandris, why don't you go first? Sure. My name is Seandris Jackson. I'm the executive director and founder of the Be Great Foundation. Um, And what we do is help uh, children, teens, and young adults from marginalized backgrounds get into STEM careers um, through hands-on experiential learning, um, education, events, uh, training, and we provide certifications for um, the young adults 18 to 25 to be able to uh, get a launch pad into a STEM career. Amazing. I'm very excited to hear your journey um, because I know that that has evolved. So really excited to have you here. Um, Next up, Melissa. Absolutely. Hi, everybody. My name is Melissa Wallace, and I'm the founder of Sip and Snacks Gourmet Bar Snacks. And while Seandris is changing the world, I'm just trying (laughs) to change some experiences uh, one snack at a time. So Sip and Snacks takes our love for creating and entertaining and, and bring to market an authentic snack that's built for pairing with beer, wine, and cocktails. Um, We're all about supporting the consumer's desire to snack well, snack thoughtfully, create memories, and most importantly, create great pairings. Um, So we started our journey 
um, which I guess we'll talk about with the pivot um, a few years ago as a company called Hops and Nuts, bringing our experiences and our um, desire to snack well and have fun, um, working with brewers and vintners across the state and then um, throughout the country in creating authentically based snacks that that make for great pairings. So um, we're excited to be here and kind of represent the CPG space. Absolutely. I love it. And I love snacks. It's always snack time. Um, okay, Alicia. Hi, I'm Alicia Wilfert. I am the founder of Yoke and Abundance. It is a life coaching business. I work with creatives, makers, entrepreneurs who are going through any type of life transition. And gosh, aren't we all always in transition? <laughs> um, and I also am the host of a podcast, the Wise Women Podcast. And it's so funny because being on this podcast, like you know, I do this all the time, but you asked me to be on a podcast and all of a sudden my heart is racing like a crazy person. Um, it's so fun to have the tables turned. I really appreciate it. But I also just published my first book, Little Failures, which is all about resilience and in some ways pivots, which I know we're going to be getting into. Yeah, absolutely. Well, congratulations. I'm excited to hear more. So let's hop into the topic of the day, which is pivots. Sanders, we're going to start with you just getting um, some background on what your original business was and what made it motivated your decision to make a pivot. Absolutely. So my original business um, was in some ways completely different. I'm still working with, with families and children, um, but my original business was Chloe the Jumble Jet. So Chloe the Jumble Jet was a children's uh, animation and book series. Um, and the idea was to build a, a content and merchandise business based upon um, the idea of children's international travel um, and getting to, you know, explore different places around the world, um, getting to learn about the history and the culture of the people um, that live in these various places around the world and really um, develop compassion, empathy, and understanding for differences, right, and people who grow up unlike um, our own experiences. So um, that was the original business. Um, I had a, a book uh, series with about seven books um, that were self-published. Um, also had um, several animation episodes um, and was looking to kind of get those um, sold to a bigger distributor or broadcaster. Um, and and the, the pivot really came um, from the business choosing itself, right? So um, I was actually running both the nonprofit and the Chloe the Jumbo Jet business at the same time. Um, and I knew that I couldn't continue to divide um, my energy, my focus, my effort, uh, my time, my money. Um, so <laughs> um, on the one hand, um, the only product that I really had um, that, that was, uh, you know, a, a, a product for sale um, was the children's books um, and, you know, in, in pure transparency and frankness, I wasn't selling a lot of those. Um, I was spending a lot of time at schools um, doing free events. I had this really cool uh, Chloe the Jumbo Jet costume um, where we'd go out and, and get a bunch of kids together and we'd read the book and we'd talk about travel and it was really fun, but I wasn't making any money. So it was more of a hobby than a business. Um, and the nonprofit actually took off uh, a whole lot quicker than I anticipated. Um, I kind of put the idea out there. Um, we started to have a couple of workshops. Our first workshop was a drone workshop actually in July of 2021. Um, and the response was really overwhelming just in terms of 
um, the consumer base, um, the families that came to us wanting to really get their kids exposed to STEM, um, as well as the media attention that we got. So um, that's why I say, in essence, the, the, the proper business for me sort of chose itself. Um, it chose you. Yeah, it chose yeah, you. Absolutely. It chose me. And, and so uh, I'm running with that with Be Great Foundation. Yeah, awesome. Making that transition, were there any new skills that you realized you needed or things, I'm sure there are some that you have gained along the way? Absolutely. Um, so just going from, from running a for-profit business where I was in the driver's seat uh, completely um, to going to a nonprofit where you have to build a board and you have to yeah. um, engage your board and, and really they're your bosses, right? Um, yeah. Building something where you're putting your heart and your soul into it um, and knowing at the end of the day that if you're not doing a good job, uh, you can be dismissed <laughs> from that leadership seat um, is, is a humbling experience. So I would say just learning um, about the nonprofit world. Um, I, I did have my first job out of college with the nonprofit, so it was uh, great to circle back into that. Um, but being in a leadership role where, um, you know, I'm responsible for the finances of the organization, um, responsible for donor management, that's an area uh, where I really didn't delve into before, responsible for um, writing grants. Um, so just learning the whole nonprofit world was definitely uh, a new skill um, that I had to develop and, and be able to sustain. Absolutely. Um, and will you just, before we move further, will you tell us a little bit more about the Be Great Foundation, like how it came to be? And sure. obviously you, you gave us a little bit in the beginning, but will you just give us a little more background on that one? Absolutely. So um, I, I have been um, in the IT world um, for about 15 years. Um, and I noticed as a software consultant, um, so I worked for various software companies in the healthcare space. Um, in the meeting and room management space. And I noticed that uh, when I went into these spaces, there weren't a lot of people um, that looked like me. Um, so I started to delve into to why that was. Um, and just recalling even my own experience graduating uh, from University of Virginia. And I remember being in the library with my friends after we graduated um, looking for jobs because we just didn't know what was available and what was out there. Um, so uh, the the impetus for Be Great Foundation just came from wanting to expose kids from um, marginalized backgrounds, uh, particularly um, to the opportunities that exist in the the real, you know, transparent, tangible um, careers that they can have um, that are within the realm of of their interests, right? So if you like playing video games, you can be a game designer. Um, you can be an esports broadcaster. So there's so many. Um, opportunities and possibilities that we just don't know until we get older and, and we say, you know, oh, I, I probably could have studied this or I could have done that when I could have been this when I grow up. Um, okay. So that's that's what we're looking to do. And that's the problem that we're endeavoring to solve with Be Great Foundation. Amazing. Amazing. So a strategy that, you know, a lot of people talk about when you're trying to figure out how to pivot effectively is not to just scrap everything you've done before and start over. How were you able to take some of the learnings and some of the work that you had done previously into the foundation? Absolutely. So I think um, the biggest learning, um, and this actually came from, from Launch Greensboro, um, this is probably my 
a fifth or sixth attempt at starting a business. Um, I love uh, a quote by Jay-Z where he says, um, I'm, I'm not a businessman, I am the business uh, man. Um, so so uh, the thought there is that um, any business uh, can, can be successful or can be sustained as long as the uh, entrepreneur um, that's at the forefront of the business uh, is, is willing to, to put in the time, effort, energy. Um, so with that being said, um, Launch Lab was really uh, key in helping me to um, learn how to define who my customer is and how to target my messaging to that customer. Um, I would say in my first three or four uh, business attempts, um, I came up with the idea first and then mm -hmm. tried to retrofit a customer to that idea. Um, and I can tell you that that does not work. Uh, without customers, <laughs> you don't have a business. So um, uh, that was the biggest learning um, and just sitting down before we even started Be, Be Great Foundation, um, talking with kids, talking with families, talking with young adults. Um, and understanding what their needs, motivations, um, and interests were, um, and then developing services around that, I think was the biggest thing that I carried over from uh, Chloe the Jumbo Jet, as well as my experience with uh, Launch Lab. Yeah, that's really great. That's really great insight. I think a lot of times we get as you know, I would call you um, a serial entrepreneur, and I think often when that's our mindset, then we're constantly coming up with ideas for businesses that we can feel a passion for. And sometimes in that excitement, you get so excited that you forget to start with the need or the customer. And then you get down the road and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I have to dial back. So um, I think that's great insight. And for everyone listening, how can we learn more about you, stay in touch with you and support you moving forward? So you can find us at thebegreatfoundation.org. We're also on Facebook and Instagram as Be Great Foundation NC. Um, and we have a really big and fun event coming up on October 1st. It's our annual fundraiser. This is the second time that we've done it. Um, this year is going to be a little bit different. We're going to feature an inclusive 5K walk. Um, we'll have food trucks. We'll have vendors. We'll have uh, drone demo, drone race, um, VR competition. Uh, we'll have a gaming tournament. So we're really, you know, creating a big, uh, big excitement around STEM. Um, so we would love for, uh, um, you know, your listeners to come out, support, have fun. Um, where, where is this going to be? This is going to be at Country Park, October oh, 1st from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Amazing. And do you register ahead of time? Yes, okay. um, you can register at victorylap5k.com. Got it. I'm going to be there. That's awesome. awesome. Wonderful. Thank you. Awesome. <laughs> okay, we are going to move on to Melissa, but we may be circling back with more questions for you, but thank you so much. Melissa, you're up next. Can you give us a background on your original business and then kind of tell us how that brought you to a place of pivot? Absolutely, absolutely. So um, as I'd mentioned in the introduction, we formed a company um, about six years ago called Hops and Nuts, and it was uh, born out of, you know, Launch Greensboro training and entrepreneur training, we talk about pain point. So self-preservation, absolutely. Um, we are big fans of all things that are liquid um, and found ourselves um, in bottle shops or breweries or wineries having a great time and, and um, great experiences. And we looked around, there were no snacks. So mm. self-preservation, those that know me and love me know that I don't like to stop having a great time. <laughs> um, so self-preservation, uh, we created 
um, some snacks that pair well with the genres within craft beer and wine and cocktails. And so our business model for this particular company um, was working really one-on-one -on -one with tap rooms, with tasting rooms, working with brewers and vintners, um, discussing you know, authentic flavors and what was their mindset and what are the trends mm -hmm. um, and creating snacks that were authentic and true to that creative process within a brewery or a winery. Um, we found ourselves also within that business model um, really dedicating ourselves to um, the authentic process, um, really looking for um, market validation, for creating um, for us within a niche where there was no um, leader or, or predecessor doing what we were doing. So we were looking to really hit that vein of authenticity. And so we also, in our business model, um, were attending um, wine, wine festivals, brewing festivals, um, anything that was uh, affiliated with those industries up and down the East Coast. And um, just before COVID, you know, we were in 26 states, um, had on schedule 75 wine or beer festivals. Mm -hmm. um, so we really hit the bricks hard. Um, it was a great time for us to forge some great relationships. Um, we had really, we felt hit our stride. Um, the message was out there. We had, you know, great following on our e-com. We were seeing, um, you know, retail sales as well as wholesale sales. And then, you know, I think for us, um, a great validation is when one of your retail partners comes to you and says, you know, hey, we love what you're doing and we wanna really tap into that expertise a little bit more. So we found ourselves um, with a burgeoning uh, private label oh, opportunity. So great. working with some larger breweries to kind of take what they were doing and then um, taking it to the next level with marketing and merch and, and help them, you know, kind of fine tune what they were doing. So um, 2020 for us pre-COVID was, I mean, we were rocking and rolling. It was ready to go. Um, so again, we just kind of identified all the genres in craft beer and wine and created snacks that match those yeah. or uh, run opposite of those to create um, a pairing tension and a pairing uh, opportunity to make everything that you like to, to drink uh, that much better. Amazing. And so tell us, tell us about the pivot. So what sure. really, what really brought you to a place where you realized, okay, we we're going to have to move in a, in a different direction. With everybody, COVID, all of our, you know, hard won, um, really strong relationships really just came that the curtain just closed, breweries closed, bottle shops closed, wineries closed, distilleries closed, mm -hmm. um, you know, ancillary boutiques that we were working with, they, those closed. And so, uh, you know, part of that survivor mentality, self-preservation, um, mm -hmm. and then I guess, you know, going back to some of the training that, that we received with Launch Greensboro and um, Launch Lab is, you know, identifying your customer. Well, if I can't, if I can't get my product um, to a customer who buys my product in a brewery, well, where, where can they buy me? So we had the really unique opportunity and I, I call it, you know, it's, it's serendipitous for us. It gave us an opportunity to get off the hamster wheel with one of the business models, which was being on the road 24 seven. 
mm. um, at festivals and things like that. We had the immense uh, opportunity to work with somebody we would have never a been able to afford or even um, had access to in a graphic designer, um, an amazing talent out of the West Coast um, who had handled some redesigns for some brands that we really respected. Um, so COVID gave us an opportunity to kind of put some things under the microscope, um, redefine, but then diversify. So for our pivot, we had to go back and say, all right, our customer could find us where? Well, what are, what's still open? Grocery stores. Hmm. Um, and it really gave us, um, and mass retail. So it gave us an opportunity to put some things under the microscope to, to get really, really lean. Um, previous to uh, COVID, we had 12 SKUs, some snack mixes, some pretzel things. And so what we did is really just dug into the numbers um, learned where our strengths were. Mm -hmm. um, and by virtue of COVID, it gave us an opportunity to establish some relationships finally with a great co-manufacturer, a great co-packer, um, packaging design, because everything had just kind of come to a halt. Sure. Um, where a lot of people were saying, no, we were saying, yes. Um, what can we do? How can we go? How can we redesign mm -hmm. this? So um, it, it gave us a, a unique opportunity that we're really pleased with it. And so what we did is, is spun hops and nuts and created a separate brand. We felt like there was an opportunity. We lost 90% of our revenue with mm. COVID, with hops and nuts. And so uh, we felt like we would be able to recapture probably 40% of that when the dust settled and everything else sure. happened. Mm -hmm. um, so we wanted to remain true and, and leave uh, hops and nuts intact. Sure. For the folks who had been our brand partners for years. Right. So Sippin' Snacks is an evolution of that fine tuning. Um, I didn't have the luxury of being at a festival so I could talk my way through what this product was and what it was supposed to do. And so we had to really be super hyper focused um, mm -hmm. on message, on packaging, and, and what our goal was with the consumer. Mm -hmm. And so how did you... so? In that, in that time period when you're both, you know, leaving the business intact because you have, you know, loyal partners that you want to stay in business with, but then you're also launching a new endeavor. How did you communicate that to both like your customers or partners that knew you for hops and nuts? How, do you, how did you message that? Right. Um, you know, it was really important to have great conversations with our wholesale partners to let them know that you know, when, whenever they came up for air, we'd still be there. And yeah. we put in place a pretty aggressive program to help them along with that. So we, we did a lot of, um, you know, handholding and how can we help you, you know, with the, with curbside service, you know, what are some things that we can help do for you to, you know, give the product legs when somebody's not sitting in a tap room. Mm -hmm. um, so there was a lot of focus on uh, marketing and design to help with, mm -hmm. with those things. Um, and I think for us, um, it was important to, to leave those relationships intact. Now, for Sippin' Snacks, we felt like there was an entirely different, we'd gone from a one-dimensional uh, channel, and then we kind of were doing the e-commerce thing, so we became Omni. Mm -hmm. um, it gave us two more channels that we had never even focus on. So there was a lot of, of new customer discovery. Mm. Um, 
I tell people it was kind of like being in the seventh grade and being 16 years old. Like you'd seen some of the homework before. You've mm -hmm. taken some of the tests before. Yes. You have some insight as to a few of the inner workings, mm -hmm. but once we got into mass uh, retail and grocery, it's a completely different ball game as far as working with distribution, working yeah. with brokers yeah. and, and, and the scale of it um, was certainly, you know, it's its own learning curve. Um, so devising an, an absolutely new way to communicate with customers that we had never had access before. Um, so communication at all points yeah. um, was hypercritical for us. Yeah. When I think about, I want to ask you a question, um, just really just if what your advice would be to those that are in business that feel like they need to make a pivot. And as I've heard you talk about your experience, the things that keep coming up are self-preservation. And it sounds like transparency and communication um, have been like, you know, some two things that have really served you well. But if you had to give someone some advice about approaching a pivot or how to make one, what would your advice be? Right. I think the word that comes to mind is fluid. Mm. Um, you know, you can't, you can't run from numbers. You can't run from whatever that, um, your, the business that you're going through the experience, um, of it is, but you have to be fluid. Um, uh, I was a college athlete and, and being agile and being fluid is, I think the key to anything, just, um, surveying, understanding the situation, but being realistic. I mean, when you, when you have to look at your numbers and why you're doing a pivot, um, it has to be a place that gets you to a better spot. Mm. Um, you have to really hone in on your footwork. You have to really understand and have a really hard grasp on what you do well um, and be willing to, you know, we're, we're all, these are all our babies. And I know we, we've all gone through training and uh, that you, you can't treat it like it's your kid. You got to let go of it. You got to let it run on its own. You got to let it grow on its own. Um, so you have to have some thick skin. You got to let some things go, but you've got to be fluid. You got to be agile. Um, and you have to be responsive to, to whatever comes down the pike for sure. So true. That's great advice. I think we get really, I mean, we as humans get really attached to outcomes. And then when it comes to our business and our, to your point, our babies, you know, it's like we have already decided what we want that to be. And so I think it's such great advice to, you know, your business is going to grow and illuminate things to you probably that you never anticipated. And maybe even things that weren't in your original passion set or idea set and being open to that and fluid, I think is such a, a key part of it. And I think it does also <clears throat> touch back on what Sandra said, where, you know, sometimes it chooses you and the way it's going to go is it comes to you, not the other way around. So I think it's really important that, that we remember that we, you know, we hold our, our fists so tightly and we're so, you know, we're clutching to an outcome. Um, and often in doing that, you miss an opportunity to pivot into something that could be even greater. So that's really great advice. So Alicia, you are the last, but not least, certainly. Um, give us a little background on you, please. Yes. Yeah, so I, spent a decade in the insurance industry outside when I got out of college. And it was one of those things where I kind of fell into it because I really needed a job. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I was ever actually supposed to be there. 
so I've spent a lot of time seeking after that. What am I supposed to be doing? How am I supposed to figure this out? And I started down the rabbit hole of yoga mm -hmm. and ended up, you know, I was, even though I wasn't supposed to be in that sales job I ended up in, I did very well in okay. that role. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up opening a yoga studio while working my full-time job, which I do not recommend. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I, I opened this yoga studio because I thought, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a good yoga teacher. This will be fun. Maybe I'll make enough where I can quit that full-time job. And, you know, I did a lot of great things. Like I built community and uh, I learned a lot, sure. but it was certainly not sustainable. And instead of being something where I could quit my job and do full-time, I ended up pouring money and time and energy and resources into a business that was really not working. And, and I, I like to call things what they were. I would consider that a failure. I didn't hit my goal. That's what my whole book is about. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so as that business was coming to an end, I knew, okay, well, I've got to do something different. I can't, I can't stay in this insurance job and I'm not sure what that will be. Mm. I had worked with a lot of coaches over the years and I'd learned a lot. And I thought in my, and, and honestly, my background, my college background was psychology. Um, I'm very touchy feely. I'm very um, about emotions and feelings and let's go deep and take deep dives. And so I thought, you know, I'm, I think I have a pretty good system that could be useful for people. I'm going to just put it out there that people can work with me as a coach. And at the time I had no formal coach training, just I had worked with coaches with a background in psychology. And someone took me up immediately on that offer. And it was one of those moments where it feels like God is shining down on you and saying like, this, this is the thing you're supposed to be doing. And so I started just pouring all of my energy into thinking if I'm gonna build another business, how do I do it in a sustainable way? How do I do it in a way where I'm not going to end up with the same outcome as the yoga studio? So uh, at the time, um, you know, I had gone through launch Greensboro midway through the yoga studio, and that was a very long time ago at this point. And that was so helpful. I learned so much. And one thing I'll also say is that failing at that yoga studio was actually really empowering because it taught me that my worst case scenario could happen and I would be fine. Yes. And I could pick myself back up and I could figure it out. And I'm, I'm intelligent, I'm hardworking. And if there's something in my heart to do, I should probably just try it. Mm -hmm. And what makes me feel so good about what happened with the yoga studio is I don't have to live in regret about what if I poured everything into that and I ha never have to think about, well, what if I tried this? Sure. I tried yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So I think that's such an important point because I feel like, you know, we still, even as much as we're told not to, I think we still are so terrified to fail. And I think, you know, embracing that as the only way that you can learn things, you know, and, and I used to joke that I feel like I learned everything the hard way through like a series of failures, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it because to your point, um, it is very much like the thing that you can feel very resolved about is that 
you gave it a shot and you learn things about yourself and resiliency, I think is one of those things that you sort of prove it to yourself each time that like, oh, even if that didn't work out, I'm a capable human being. Like that's, that wasn't the end game. That wasn't my one shot. So I love that. So then tell me, so as God was shining down on you and your moment of coaching, how, how did that evolve into what you're doing now? And, and can you tell us more about what you're doing now? Yeah. So, you know, all around that time when I was feeling very, very burnt out, I think it was um, around January 2017, I took myself on this solo retreat. Um, I remember very distinctly, it was MLK weekend and I was... I was, I took myself to Wrightsville beach and I thought, okay, I need to write out my personal core values. And I realized I identified my core values, like health and sovereignty, which I define as like freedom and, um, mindfulness and growth and creativity. And I realized that in everything that I was doing, the insurance job sales, as well as the yoga studio, I was really out of alignment with those core values. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was not emotionally healthy at that time because I didn't have time to feed any relationships outside of work or the business. I, you know, was not physically healthy other than that I was doing yoga. I wasn't eating enough because I was working so much. Um, there were still, and I didn't have any freedom, of course, and that's a huge core value. You know, I spent my day tied to a desk, um, making phone calls, dialing for dollars all day. And then in, in my quote unquote spare time, I was teaching yoga classes or writing newsletters for the studio, you know, right. other yoga teachers. And so I thought, okay, whatever I do next has to be in alignment with these core values. That is the most important thing to me. So I knew that if I was going to build a business around coaching, it had to fit into my lifestyle, not the other way around. So I had to decide what that lifestyle was that I wanted to do. So I, you know, I, I sent out, I did a positive psychology certification program so that I would have researched backed uh, we call them interventions um, that I could use with clients to move them forward through transitions. And so I was, I started working on that. I quit my full-time job and decided to go into this. Like, I don't want to divide my time and my energy. I want every, I want to be very focused and intentional. And so I started doing, um, I, well, this might be interesting actually to the listeners. I, I first interviewed about 25 different people. So I said, okay, have you ever worked with a coach before? What was that experience like? Why did you work with a coach? What do you hope to get out of that experience? What would you pay to work with a coach? And then out of, I had a package already kind of set up. And then out of those packet, out of those interviews, I said, well, I'm so grateful for your time. Thank you so much for all of this information. And as a thank you, if you decide that you want to move forward with me in coaching, I'll give you 10% off of these packages. And 90% of the people I interviewed took me up on the offer. So I knew that the business idea I had was viable if I could continue to hit that target market. So I did a lot of research before I officially leaped in into the coaching business. Yeah. And that's something that all three of you have touched on that, like, like we've said, I think that's so important and often in our excitement and drive as 
entrepreneurs, we sometimes leave that right out. We just get going and don't even think about that. So that's, that's really a great lesson for sure. Um, so how can we stay in touch with you, know more about you, support you? Yeah. So my website is www.yoke, and A-N-D, abundance.com. And I'm also on Facebook, Yoke and Abundance, and at Yoke and Abundance on Instagram. Amazing. Um, And I just realized that, Melissa, I didn't give you that opportunity. And so I want to make sure that I don't miss that. So I'm circling back to you to tell me and all of us how we can find you and support you ongoing. Absolutely. So we've got um, our retail website is Sippin Snacks, and that's S-I-P-P-I-N snacks snax.com uh and on a local note you can happy to announce we just got into lowe's foods Um, yeah so uh carolina's lowe's foods and we will so you can find us in the local section and then they're going to be spreading us to uh the beer den shortly after that and then we are launching into Publix. Um, Carolina's region, so North and South Carolina, and that will be the end of September. Um, in Greensboro here right now, you can find us uh, at Lowe's Foods, New Garden, and uh, Guilford College, and then Deep Roots Market also carries us. So mm-hmm. if you can't find us locally, you can definitely uh, get us uh, online, and then uh, we make uh, snacks for great gifts. So ship them out for the holidays. Happy to handle it. I love it. I love it. Well, we are, we have hit our time, but I have so many more things I feel like we could talk about. Um, So if anyone has any questions or wants to talk more about pivots or um, what just wants to connect with these amazing people, please reach out because that's why we do this absolutely to connect people. Um, And just to circle back to Launch Greensboro, uh, you know, you can apply for our programs. We have programs year round. You can read more about them on launchgreensboro.com. Our next launch camp, which is a weekend, essentially a boot camp to help identify, it's very, very timely considering this conversation, helps you identify and define your ideal customer and evaluate your business's feasibility. So often in that boot camp, we see pivots happen in real time. Um, but certainly encourage you if you're interested to register for that. That's October 8th and 9th. And then as always, follow us on social, stay in touch. We're at Launch Greensboro on Instagram and LinkedIn, at Launch GSO on Twitter, and at Greensboro Entrepreneur on Facebook. I just want to say thank you to the three of you. I get so inspired when I have these conversations and I always get the, the like flag down to cut these off because I get so involved and, and really so inspired by you. So thank you so much for your time and look forward to talking to you soon. Make sure to subscribe so you get new episodes delivered to your device each week. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at GSO Chamber. See you next time.